come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to the second official episode of fantastic cruising i hope you guys enjoyed that little intro song friend of mine at work made that for me which is really awesome in fact i'm just gonna plug him right now his name is tom mesrobian and his son david actually produced it so uh thank you to those guys i think tom's in the fantastic cruising community on facebook so you can check him out over there and tell him how awesome that is because it's pretty awesome how is everybody doing today i'm doing good because not only am i talking to you guys it's i'm not by myself this week i'm, I'm actually with some people i made a little promise at the end of the first episode and hey i try and hold true to my promises so i am here in in the south studio let's just call it the south studio also known as the the abode of the traveling duo. I say South because they're about 35 minutes South of where I live. So I've got Mark and Kelly here from the traveling duo. They're going to be my co-hosts today. And uh, I'm just going to let them say hello to you right now. Hey guys, I'm Kelly. And I'm Mark. We're from the traveling duo. So the traveling duo is a YouTube channel. Well, first of all, let me say they are a duo that travels and they are a traveling duo. So I just wanted to make that clear. But they also have two things. There's a lot of twos in their lives. They have a YouTube channel as well as that Facebook community. So I want to want to just let them kind of talk about that. If you haven't gone over there, go to the YouTube channel and check it out. They've got all they've got cruise videos, but they've got a lot of other travel videos. So if you guys want to just plug your channel a little bit, tell everybody what they should go find on the traveling duo. Yeah, we'd love it if you guys would come check us out. Uh, we really hit a lot of traveling around Florida, try to give some feedback of places to go and see around Florida, check out, especially if you're traveling to Florida to go on a cruise, you know, that's probably the, the biggest resource of info there. And we really base our travel on live, love, travel. So get out, do the things that you love to do, spend the time with those people around you and live your life and travel to make it fun. We do have the traveling duo group and we, we like to have fun. We talk about just miscellaneous things. It's not always about travel. Again, it's about having fun and, and getting to know everybody else and knowing you guys. So that's how we do our traveling duo group. Come join us and enjoy the fun with us. Yeah, go over to Facebook and check out that group. If you guys enjoy the fantastic cruising community, you're going to enjoy the traveling duo adventures community. Uh, they have a lot of interactive posts up there, a lot of cool people. You'll see a lot of familiar faces, as a matter of fact. And uh, every day there's usually something inspirational or funny or both that they put up there to, to keep the, the day going through. Now, look, Mark and Kelly are the traveling duo. And the reason that I chose them as the first official co-host with me here is because besides just being an awesome channel, they are also close friends of mine. I have known them for longer than I'd care to admit. Not because, I, not because I'm ashamed of knowing them, but because quite frankly, it's just going to let you guys know how old I am. But anyway, yeah, Mark and I met, actually, I, he was my boss. Uh, he hired me at a pet store years ago. 
So I don't know. I, I think it worked out to be an okay decision. It probably did. And, uh, and, and we became fast friends. It was, it was one of those deals where we just kind of clicked. We bonded. And I was like over hanging out at his place playing PlayStation. That probably dated it right there. <laughs> and, uh, and that was like the latest technology of the time. I had my Nintendo 64. I was rocking. You know, it was brand spanking new, shiny and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, we, we kind of share a lot in common besides our love of traveling and cruising. We're both hardcore animal people. Obviously, the pet store and Mark helped me out at the zoo and he worked at reptile stores where I worked. And Yeah, I think that's probably the first bond, I think, it was, was around the animals, you know. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, that's that's a pretty easy click to make. And then, of course, we also have the punk rock thing going on. So those of you that may not know me, probably most people listening to this know me. I am not just a, a geeky guy, an animal geeky guy. I've also got that little punk rock in me. So um, Mark has that as well. So we just we just here. Uh, look, let me just break this down. Okay, this is the kind of relationship that Mark and I have. And and look, I'm, I know I'm not talking about Kelly right now, but she's like, it's almost like a package deal. You know, they're like two, two peas in a pod kind of a thing. But Mark and I, I, I don't know if we are two different people sometimes because, you know, we'll, this is the kind of thing that happens to us. Like we were living in different states and, uh, and, and Mark and I both on our own without communicating to each other, we went to a store, bought the exact same laptop and then went to a completely different store and bought the exact same laptop case. Now, this is the kind of thing that happens to us all the time. Like he is wearing his his Blue Sun Firefly shirt today. I picked that shirt up. I have the same exact shirt. Almost put it on this morning and then changed my mind at the last second. So, this is the sort of uh this is sort of friends that we're talking about here and uh and so I wanted to get them on here to really help me out to kick off the uh, Fantastic Cruising podcast. Yeah, I think they're twins. I really do. All the time they come in, they both have the same shirt on. We finish each other. Exactly. (laughs) This is going to be a little less edited than normal, so we're going to try and keep it real. Also, I want you guys to know that there's a little bonus to this episode. Uh, Because they are into the filming quite a bit, they're actually filming this whole session. There's going to be highlights from this on their YouTube channel, probably a little bit more than what you see on here, like a little extra stuff that maybe doesn't make it into the podcast might end up in that video. So if you want to see what the podcast process looks like, at least right now, because it's changed from the early days, uh, then go on over to their channel and and get that video. You can you can see us. You can see how silly we look talking into microphones and and that sort of thing. Now, the plan is that when I have guest co-hosts on, I really want to give them some control, give them some of the reins. And so what I asked of Mark and Kelly is for them to come up with a couple of topics they wanted to discuss on today's episode. So go ahead and tell us what what are we talking about first here, guys? Well, I think one of the things that's intriguing to us and what really drew us to YouTube and checking out travel videos and such was really doing some research around cruising, right? And especially getting information about the cruise ship that we're about to go on. So we want to talk about one of our favorite... Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're about to go on a cruise ship? We are. Yeah, we actually are booked. We are booked actually what? for November, December. November, December. That I'm jelly. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have anything booked uh, uh, right yet. Yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, th- I thought we were always supposed to have something booked. Isn't we that are. the rule? <laughs> well, that is the rule. According to Tommy Casabona, a little plug there for Always Be Booked podcast. Uh, he's a great guy. And uh, 
Yeah, always looking to shout him out. Anyway, yeah, so go ahead and finish your, your thought there. So, yeah, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about our favorite class of ship. And that's actually one of the ships that we have booked on again for this uh, November, December. But our uh, not our last cruise, actually, second to last cruise. We were on a Voyager class ship by Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. And that was the Adventure of the Seas. Wonderful ship. But we love that class of ship, and I think it stands out as probably our favorite ship at this point. And we've been on six cruises, three on Carnival, three on Royal, and I think we have now found our our favorite ship. I know a lot of people talk about that. When you were on the Voyager, was the captain named Janeway, and were you concerned at all about getting caught in another part, a sector of space? No, I think I would have been okay with that. I think the bigger problem I had is that I didn't run into Seven of Nine, and it really (laughs) bothered me. There's that new Picard show coming out, though, that's got her in it, right? Oh, my God. It looks so awesome. Yes, it does. It does. Anyway. It doesn't matter who else is in it. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We digress. All right, go ahead. Tell tell us about this Voyager class ship and uh, and your experiences on there. Well, I, I think one of the things that really intrigues us about the ship is the the size of the ship, right? So you have several different classes of cruise ship out there, sizes of cruise ship, and you can go anywhere from what what would seemingly be a small cruise ship uh, to some of the mega ships now, right? That Royal has out that we haven't been on yet, by the way. So our our judgment here of our favorite ship, we still haven't been on every every single size. But I, I think we found that mid to upper mid-level ship uh, to be kind of the perfect size. Um, Kelly has a little bit of issue from time to time with motion sickness. And we don't really feel any motion or anything when we're on that ship, uh, which was great. And Kelly, why don't you talk to him a little bit about the layout and what you really liked about that? Yeah, I like the promenade. It was really nice because you go to the promenade and you can get from one end to the next. And you didn't have to go up one level, down one level to get to one area. It was just really nice to have that promenade area on that Voyager class and be able to go to areas that in that main section of the Voyager. Yeah, it was it was cool because you could get to pretty much everything you go to, I don't know what was like uh, deck five or five and yeah, six, I think, right? Deck it, five. Yeah, so but deck five was the, the promenade deck and all the shops are there. Uh, they have several restaurants, some really cool bars and on each different type of Voyager or each different named ship, which there's five of them, by the way, they all have like some variation of like an Irish or British pub, which was really cool to hang out at. But you didn't have to worry about like, okay, I got to go up to deck eight and cross half the ship and go back down to deck four to, you know, get what, where we wanted to go. You could just go to the promenade and pretty much get to everything. So that was kind of nice. And um, yeah, w- uh, what are some other things about the, the layout? Because this is probably, I think, our biggest thing we really like about it. Um, I know like the, the, the casino is off to one, you know, off to the side. You don't have to walk through the casino if you don't want to. I know that bugs a lot of people as well. And um, well, well, real quickly, actually, let me, let me name off the five Voyager class ships that Royal Caribbean has because there's options, right? And they have different itineraries, which I know a lot of people want to choose a ship based on itinerary. So you have the Mariner of the Seas, the Navigator of the Seas, and then, of course, the Voyager of the Seas, and the Adventure of the Seas, and then the one that we're going to be going on this fall 
is the explorer of the seas. So they're all sister ships. And yeah, we're looking forward to like having a common layout that we're used to, which I think will be kind of cool. Now, if I'm correct, uh, the Voyager class sort of introduced this sort of mall concept, which I think is what you guys are talking mm. about. Yes. That easy walk through. Uh, I have not been on this class of ship. I've been on some Royal Caribbean ships, but they've all been older and smaller. So I, I'd like to try out one of these ships. These are the ships that I haven't been on the Oasis class either, but these are the, the Voyager classes, the ones that kind of, I think would appeal to me the most. Uh, one of the issues I always have on ships where you're forced to walk through the casino is just if, if there's a lot of smoke in there, I don't like walking through like this thick cigarette smoke area. So you don't have, you can avoid that completely with this class of ship. Yes, you can. Okay, that sounds, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Matt. Like if you're, if you're on the promenade, they literally have like a spiraling staircase that goes down into the casino that you can get to it from that way. Or if you are on the deck below, so I guess it'd be deck four, you can actually, you can actually walk into the casino that way as well. So you can get to it multiple different ways, but to your point, you don't ever have to walk directly through it, which is really nice. So Hey, Matt, how would you like to go ice skating on a cruise ship? I've only been ice skating once, and I feel like I nearly died. Now, I, <laughs> I am a fan of roller skating, um, but uh, ice skating, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'd try it. Maybe maybe the, uh, the wave motion would sort of make up for my lack of coordination. I don't know. There's no motion. You don't well, that, feel it oh, at then all. I'm, then I'm going to be falling on my butt. That's what's going to happen <laughs> if I ice skate on there. When I went ice skating, it was like back when I was a teenager. I went ice skating, and there was like this 10-year-old that realized I didn't know what I was doing and purposely like kept skating really fast around me to try and make me fall. It was really – it was it was terrible. I, I have like stress from that to hey, this. Matt, Matt, <laughs> all right. snap back. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about the Voyager class as well as other classes of, of Royal Caribbean ships – a lot of them have, well, all the Voyager class has uh, ice skating rinks. So you have free skate. You can just go in and put a helmet on, put some skates on, and go cruise around. And, and yeah, you, you see a stiff arm, the little kids. That's, that's the world <laughs> to stiff arm them. Don't really stiff arm them. <laughs> oh, I'll stiff arm them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but then, like, in the evenings, it transitions over into an, an ice show, and then they'll, like, cover it and use it as, like, a stage for different things. So, and the shows are great. I mean, the shows that we were able to take in on Adventure of the Seas were really, really cool shows. Yeah, they were awesome, especially uh, Tribute Schmibute. Tribute Schmibute. Yeah, he's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll throw a little plug in there for our channel. Uh, We we vlogged, obviously, our trip on uh, the Adventure of the Seas, and I don't remember what night it was. It was pretty early on. It was like maybe midway through the cruise, because we did an eight-night cruise, but there was a a, a guy, so Tribute Schmibute, look it up. It's awesome. He's got like, it's basically, he does cover songs, I cover songs, but he also does a lot of humor, a lot of costume change, and it was just a blast. It was probably one of the the best shows we've seen on any of our cruises we've been on, so definitely check that out. Very cool. And I I have... Like I said, I've only been on some of the smaller, older Royal Caribbean ships, but I have heard that the entertainment, like the shows and stuff, tend to be a little bit higher caliber um, than some of the other cruise lines. Like they invest a little bit more in that, which uh, which is weird for me because if you guys know me from the Cruise Geeks, you know that I'm sort of have this reputation as not liking the shows, and yet I'm like that guy that likes to go to musicals and stuff. So it's, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition for me, but I think if the quality was there and maybe was more of a professionally put on play than just 
listening to people rehearse top 40 music, I would probably enjoy it a little bit more. So that, that sounds a little more intriguing to me as well. And these ships were built from the late 90s to the very early 2000s is, is what I did a little bit of, of homework. And I guess they were the largest ships at the time. Does that all sound accurate? Yeah, and they were built in Finland as well. Okay. Fantastic, Finland. <laughs> Yeah, they hold about 3,114 passengers. Okay, very cool. I know most of these are primarily Florida-based. Are any of them sailing out of other areas that you know of? Actually, the one that is an explorer is currently in the Mediterranean right now. Okay. Actually, I think I think it left London for the transcontinental um, in July. And there's only going to be, I think, like four or five cruises coming out of florida here it's going to be redocking in miami and then there's only like four or five cruises before we go on ours so it's going to be new to to the port over here which is cool i think the mariner of the seas is going out of puerto rico i think or was um not that long ago so most of them do caribbean but i think the explorer and the possibly the navigator i think do um do mediterranean or european cruises I know a lot of the ships that come to Tampa will split their time, and, and other ports in Florida as well, will split their time with, with Europe, mark, European market, and then they'll come over here because that's when you know most people are cruising here in the winter and there, I guess, in the summer. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then if you're lucky enough to catch one of those transatlantics going either way, hey, that's even more fun, right? You could do the whole, the whole ride over there. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think that's we we've talked about uh, the traveling duo heading to Europe and maybe doing maybe a transcontinental back over to Europe, tour Europe, come back. Uh, that would be that'd be freaking awesome, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's she said uh, yeah and gave Mark a look. <laughs> And to insinuate, uh, yeah, make that happen, dude. So, um, and and by the way, like I said, you can you can see some of this video on their channel, and also I think that they're going to put up some extra bonus videos with um, maybe some of the ships we're talking about and, and some of the other things we get to in this podcast. So definitely make sure to go over to their YouTube channel and check that out. But look, this is the Fantastic Cruising Podcast, and that means that I'm the host, and you know what that means. There's got to be a cruise creature in this podcast. And I decided to just go with one of my favorites because uh, Mark and I have done a lot of scuba diving together. We've done a lot of snorkeling together. And so just like everything else, we have a lot of favorites that are the same. And, uh, and, and this cruise creature is probably one of, it's definitely in the top three of creatures that, that I have experienced in person while scuba diving or snorkeling. And the other one is probably in the same group, but anyway, uh, we're talking about the Caribbean reef squid, Sepiotuthis sepoidea, for those of you who want to get Latin. We don't have to do that. But anyway, I chose that because we've seen reef squids. How many times have we, have we run into reef squids when we were snorkeling or diving? At least twice. I want to say three times, but I know at least two times. Yeah, I feel like three times. I know one time in Chonkanob in Cozumel, I think you saw one and I didn't, but we were both there. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, and then we saw, I don't think we've seen them diving, actually. I think we've only seen them snorkeling, although yeah. we were in Grand Cayman fairly recently and we went diving and didn't see them. And then we went back out and went snorkeling the same site. And then we, we saw quite a few of them. So these are really cool animals. I mean, anything in the cephalopod group, which are your octopus, your squid, your chamber nautilus, your cuttlefish, cuddly cuttlefish, they are awesome animals. But the Caribbean reef squid, 
They get about eight inches long. And a lot of times they'll travel in schools. It could be up to 30. But I think when we've seen them, Mark, what we've seen probably three or four. Three or four. But if I remember right, when we were snorkeling there in Grand Cayman, I think there was like a string of like eight to 10 of them. Yeah, that does sound right. Yeah. yeah, Stretched out pretty, pretty far. Yeah. there. So you could see a lot. And, And the cool thing is this is really the only squid that is commonly seen by divers and snorkelers in the Caribbean, the Bahamas area. There are lots of other squid species that live in the Caribbean, but most of them are going to be offshore. They're going to be deep water. Uh, the Caribbean reef squid does go offshore when they're adults, but when they're in their juvenile phase and also when they're mating, they'll come closer to shore, which gives us the opportunity to see these guys. And and look, these are really cool animals, partly because they're just super smart. So squid octopus they're they're intelligent and you can tell that when you interact with them because not only are they going to sort of watch you but they have these special skin pigment cells called chromatophores and what they what they are is basically their special skin cells that they can change the the color of they can also change the texture of their skin and so they use these for camouflage but also for communication and i swear if, if I knew the language, I'm pretty sure they're trying to talk to us like we see them in there. Matt, didn't you pick up a girl one time changing the color of your skin? Was that, was that a thing? Yeah, but I had no control over that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no recollection of that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so, so you can see these guys. And, and the cool thing is not only can they communicate, they can actually change like half of their body color. So they can be talking to, they can like multitask. So they can be talking to a squid on the right and a squid on the left. And they're telling the squid on the right, hey girl, that's for you, Alan. And then on the squid on the left, they're going, uh, who are you? So they can actually have multiple conversations in, in squid colors uh, with, with two squids simultaneously. So they can be their own wingman. They can be their own. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or Finn man, as the case may be. And and let me tell you, if you're a squid, your life doesn't last very long. It is the sad truth of being a squid. The average lifespan of a squid is one to two years. And what happens is they're going to hook up with a female. They're going to they're going to do their thing. Now, the males have it a little bit better. They can hook up with a few females. Females going to get impregnated basically sorry it's a family show i know but then they're, they're gonna lay their eggs and then they're gonna die instantly okay that's that's the life of the squid lay your eggs die it's it's sad but so in some cases that could actually protect the eggs because predators will come along and they'll eat the carcass of mom and it's, it's i know this is really going dark but uh but the males too will not last long after that so that is what they do now in order to get that full lifespan out, they need to eat a lot. They consume about 30 to 60% of their body weight daily. Now we're talking about an eight inch squid, but uh, this is probably true for like the big giant squid and stuff like that as well. So that's a lot. They're eating a lot of food uh, during their lifespan. Some other cool facts that many of you know from the movie Finding Dory. I know this because I do a lot of squid dissections. I teach a lot of squid dissections, like literally hundreds of them. And since that movie came out, kids all know the answer to this question. The question is, how many hearts does a squid have? And the answer is? Three. That's correct. Three hearts. They have one main systemic heart, <laughs> two brachial hearts, which uh, basically get that that oxygenated blood through their body, which by the way is blue because they have a copper based blood. These are crazy. So they're like Vulcans. They can change. I don't know. They, uh, they're really, really interesting animals. And to make it even more interesting, 
The thing about the squid is that they don't have teeth. They have a beak. And so when they, when they get their food, they have eight arms and two longer tentacles. They use their tentacles to catch their food, which is going to be like small shrimp, crabs, maybe little fish. They're going to pull them in and they're going to bite them with the beak and just swallow it whole. And that's a problem because their esophagus is really, really thin and it actually travels through the middle of their donut-shaped brain. So these squid have to get food through their brain. Everything they eat is literally food for thought. We'll let you guys laugh at that for a second. Anyway, um, the, the way they do this is they have a special tongue, which is called the radula. And the radula is kind of like a file. And they basically, since they don't have teeth to chew, they can't chew with their beak. They use this radula to just grind up their food. And that's how they're able to actually swallow and digest their food. Really cool animals. If you see a squid, I remember the first time that we saw, well, I think you saw the squid in Cozumel. And then we went to Belize. I think it was Belize. Was it Belize where we saw that? Yeah, because yeah, we yeah, and we were on like like a guided snorkel around this little island, yeah, and so right. so we're snorkeling around. We gotta kind of stay with the group, and we you know we're looking at all the cool fish and everything. All of a sudden, we see this Caribbean reef squid, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, there's a squid," and they're moving on. And Mark and I are like, "We're here, we're good. You guys go ahead." They're like, no, you have to stay with the group. We're like, nope, we're staying with the squid. Like this, we're good here. You can just send the cruise ship to us, pick us up. <laughs> It's a, these are really, really cool animals. If you are lucky enough to see one of these squid, then definitely take some time to check them out. You know, man, I was actually doing a little bit of research on the reef squid as well. I feel like I know the reef squid really, really yeah, well and a yeah. lot about them because they're cephalopods are one of my favorite creatures on this planet. But one of the really cool things that I came across that I did not know about reef squid, and I want to see if you, if you have heard this or, or know about this, they are actually able to propel themselves up and out of the water yeah. about two meters in the air and, and fly or glide another 10 meters, which is about 33 feet before they re-enter the water. I didn't know that about them. Yeah, I actually have, um, it wasn't a Caribbean reef squid, but there's there's a few squid that can do that. And I've got a, I found a cool video of a, of a squid. It's like in slow motion, these kids on like a fishing boat and the squid comes out like flying through the air and like hits one of them. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. So when you guys are saying, Hey, there's a flying fish, it could really be a reef squid. It could be. Now, usually you could see their fish, but it could be a flying squid. And and if I ever see a flying squid, I'm going to be like really excited. Like I could see myself looking for flying fish. There's a flying fish. Cool. There's a flying fish. Cool. There's a flying, that's a flying squid. That's amazing. I, I think you may ink yourself. I would ink myself for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and of course, okay. So, so let me ask you this. Mark, because Mark, like I said, Mark is an animal guy like me. And so doing these squid dissections and for, for years, and somebody asked me this question, because I, I would always talk about squid ink and, of course, you know, squid ink to protect themselves. They make this, like, I always picture it like Mario Kart, where they're, like, making this little cloud of ink, and then their predator can't see them. And then, and then this kid, probably, like, you know, a third grader or something, raised their hand, and they're like, uh, Mr. Matt, how does that help the squid if they're living in the deep sea where there's no light? And I went... Um, I don't know. And, and I actually had to, uh, I had to actually ask our squid expert at the aquarium to get the answer. And as soon as she told me what the answer was, I was like, duh, but I don't know. <laughs> what <laughs> do you, do you have any ideas? How, how does the squid ink help the squid when they can't see? I, it stumped me. I had to go, I had to go and research it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it isn't, it's 
basically like a chemical reaction on the water, right? So any of the predators, it's going to disorient them, and they're going to be able, they're going to lose the track of that squid taken off, right? Doesn't like Im- impact their. You hear senses? that, Jamie <laughs> from Sharon at Sea? No longer the smartest man on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. So it is. It is more than a visual. Uh, it is more than a visual barrier. It is a chemical barrier. And so animals that live in the deep sea, they are often using. Uh, they're often using like more than just vision. They're using their sense of smell, taste, things like that. So it's going to disrupt that. Very good. Well done, sir. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, I uh, consider myself a, a squid expert, um, <laughs> or at least I act like one. I have to admit, when you see the squid, they don't look like actual squid because they look like fish, especially when they're in a line. It's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, when you first see them, you're like, not sure what they are. And I remember the first time that we saw that squid, like we both knew there's no cuttlefish in the Caribbean, but the Caribbean reef squid is very wide. So it even looked like a cuttlefish almost yeah. more than a squid. So it kind of threw us off there as well. Yeah. Very cool creatures. All right. So let's move on to our next topic. Now you guys are going on a cruise real soon. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. So let's see. I, I want to know the process that you guys go through, like the thought process, the planning um, sort of, things to you consider when you're going on a cruise. Can you guys kind of walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So I know that everybody's a little bit different. Um, we try to book everything ahead of time and we check for the deals. So when we get the offers via email, we, we make sure to book everything. And then when we get the email saying, hey, we've got another great deal for you. Well, then we'll call the cruise line and update that. So that way we're getting credit if we paid more from the last time. So we just, we're, we're persistent. We always try to make sure that we're getting the best deal. So we do our drink package. So I know everybody's a little bit different on that, um, but we do our drink package ahead of time and we do book our excursion. With our excursions, there are some that we do through the cruise line and there are some that we do with local, with the local websites and then we do with Shipmate and then we also check with TripAdvisor because we're looking for the best price and also just making sure that we're um, getting the good value as well. There's been times that we've done local tour companies and we've it was phenomenal. We got great service, they took great care of us and we got a great price as well. Keep an eye on your price of your room as well. Um, we have a uh, cruiseline.com that emails us every time that the price goes up or goes down. And then Not sponsored. Yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so every time it goes up or down and every time that it does go down from your original price that you bought it for, we call the cruise lines and we saved money on that. Yeah, and I want to go back and actually talk a little bit about prepping for the cruise and looking outside of what the, the the cruise company offers, right, for excursions and things. And I think what we found when we first started cruising, we just stuck with the, the cruise company because we didn't really know what we were doing. Right. And uh, we, we didn't want to get on something that we weren't really sure what it was. But now after we've, there again, this will be our seventh cruise coming up. We feel very comfortable reaching out to local tour tour companies, and what we have found is that they tailor uh, or may tailor the experience a little more for you, and especially depend on the group size. And usually, you'll have a little bit smaller group size, 
And those are things that you can research ahead of time instead of just booking with the cruise line and then you're, you could be with a very large group. It sometimes is more expensive and it's a very structured, we're going to do this for this amount of time, then go do this for this amount of time. And you may only like two of those things out of the four that you're doing where if you book with a local uh, guide, you can kind of build your own little, little program. So it, it wasn't a cruise, but when we went to Honduras, went to Tala Honduras and did a, a vacation for an entire week there. And we booked everything just directly with this tour guide company. And they were like, what do you want to do? Okay, great. We'll do that on this day. And then we'll do this on this day. And they really helped tailor it for us, which is kind of good. So that's all part of that prepping. You know what you're getting yourself into and what you're looking for. I feel like that's kind of the role I play when like my family comes down to visit Florida. And I'm like, you tell me what you want to do. And then, okay, on Friday, we're going to go look at alligators here. And then we're going to go swim with manatee. But no, I, I get you. That that can definitely be a benefit. You can get smaller groups. You can get sometimes better prices. Um, you do want to do your research, like going through reputable places, mm -hmm. like they mentioned, because you want to make sure that you're with a company that guarantees or that will get you back to the ship on time. And you want to make sure that you're not getting ripped off. I would say definitely... Doing that ahead of time is the way to go. I've heard horror stories of people just going out in the port and trying to get an excursion. And hey, sometimes that works. But I've heard some stories where people get kind of taken advantage of. So by booking it ahead of time, you're safe. I know I tried to do an ahead of time one time in Costa Maya. And this company, basically, when we got there, they were like, look, there's been a lot of storms. There's a lot of seaweed on the beach. It smells really bad. We would rather just give you your money back. Uh, we'll take you there if you want, but we don't want you to come because you're going to have an, you know, an under a subpar experience. To me, that just earned them a lot of kudos because I'm going, well, next time I go to Costa Maya, you're the first place I'm going to contact because you actually care enough that, you know, maybe the average cruise person is a one-time customer, but you just built this relationship with me and made me feel comf comfortable and confident. And that's, so it's definitely something to consider, can give you a better experience, save you money, just uh, make sure you do your homework on that, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think one of the things that Kelly and I were careful to do when, when we book with uh, any of the local tour guides outside of the, you know, not working through the cruise ship is we try to contact them and, and have a conversation with them. And I know sometimes calling calling the islands can be a little pricey, some cell phone plans, yada, yada, you know, look into, look into that. But by talking to them, you can you can typically tell, is this a reputable company? Do they get back to you on t in a timely manner? And if they don't, and you it's hard to contact them and get a hold of them, that probably tells you the type of operation they're running. So that may tell you to not go with that particular you know group. Yeah, that's true. And even email, even if you can communicate with them through email is better than nothing. Yeah, to definitely reach out to them. I mean, when we went to Grand Cayman, we went diving, we booked it outside of the cruise line, and we had an awesome experience. Oh, yeah. But um, when we got there, they didn't know we were coming. So, and, and for, <laughs> fortunately, and we, I think we had communicated with them through we email, did. which Several luckily times. gave, yeah, which yeah. gave us that line of communication we could show them, and they were super accommodating. In fact, they were we actually ended up having a better experience yeah. than we initially were expecting. The prices were great. So well, when it's funny because that all happened just because of the actual owner not communicating yeah. with his team. Right. So he was <laughs> the one emailing me back and forth and we get there and like the lady was like, yeah, he does that all the time. It's yeah. okay. We'll take care <laughs> yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. Now, uh, what, what other ways do you guys look at 
kind of saving on a cruise or prepping for a cruise? I think just being aware of the prices and looking around, that's how we usually try to save our money and going off, off beat what most people do. Um, just like when we're going to Aruba, instead of doing an excursion, we're renting a Jeep this time around and we're going to adventure the whole entire island. So just kind of create our own adventure out of it. Right. So Kelly, Kelly is the, um, and, and Matt, this won't surprise you, but she, she's our, our financier, uh, really? I guess, I guess treasurer for yeah. the traveling duo. Um, she knows where every penny's going and she just tells me how much we can spend at certain points of the cruise. And, and, and so she's really good about pre-planning, looking on the cruise lines, websites, watching prices for, you know, if you do want to do a drink package, you know, purchasing it ahead of time. Time. She's got it all broken down to the penny per drink and how many drinks per day and all that to yeah. make it worthwhile. Uh, same thing with internet packages, uh, things like that. So she looks for ways to couple things together with these deals that the cruise line is is offering so that we can try to get the best possible price. And I think the biggest tip, and then Kelly, I'll let you kind of talk about it, but the biggest tip is don't wait until you get on the board on board the ship to buy stuff or book stuff. Uh, you're going to pay their full premium price. Whereas if you book, a, if you do your planning up front, like we were talking about and know what you want to do and what you want out of your, your cruise experience, then you can actually book all that ahead of time. That is very true. There's only one time that it, that it only, that we got credit for was when we did our wine drinking thing, did wine drinking, uh, tour on the, um, boat a we ship were, we were on, we were on, on the ship adventure yeah we were on the adventures of the seas and the we went ahead and did the wine tasting tour and it was less so they gave they went ahead and gave us credit we didn't even have to tell them so yeah so that's that's uh, if i remember right we had booked it ahead of time right yes. but then it's it, did it get canceled or no, what it got the price was reduced Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so we we booked the wine tasting tour, Matt, and and we get on the ship, and we have all the you know how they like leave the letters and things saying, hey, you guys have this, and this is the time, and here's tickets for different things, right? Well, we didn't have our wine tasting thing, so we we contact we contacted the guest services, and they mentioned to us, they're like, we don't show you as having. They're like, well, here's our receipt, and they're like, okay. <laughs> well, they looked at it like, well, actually, they they I think they changed the time, yeah. and in doing that, I think they messed up their reservations. But the price was cheaper now for it than what we paid, so they actually ended up giving us some onboard credit because they had mm-hmm. changed the price. So there again, it's just you know, pay attention to those details. You yeah, know, you might find some savings. Very cool, very cool. And and I know like if if you don't want to do all that work because it's a lot of work keeping up with that you can get a reputable travel agent that'll do that for you but you can also do that on your own so it's really whatever you're comfortable with if you're if you're like us and you enjoy looking at the cruising stuff (laughs) then you're probably going to want to do it that way but if but if you don't want to deal with that or you're not comfortable with it you know find a there's a there's lots of good travel agents out there you could go through one of those Um, but you may still want to book those excursions and stuff on your own. That may be something your travel agent, depending on who that is, may or may not be able to help you with. So you still want to do some research. You want to cover your bases. You want to make sure that you're getting the best value and uh, and that you're going to have the best experience. 
Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. If you have the personality where you like to plan stuff <laughs> and that is not, you look at it as that as a hobby or being fun, then yeah, do it on your own, man. Cruises are so much fun to try to figure out logistics of stuff. Uh, however, if you have the personality where you just want to be able to just go with the flow, you don't want to have to think about anything, you just want to go on the vacation and enjoy yourself, then I would definitely go through a travel agent and let them, let, you know, they're the ones that nerd out over all the planning stuff. So let, <laughs> let them handle that. And you're not going to pay any more. You know, yeah. you're not going to pay any more money by going through them. And you might even get better deals on a lot of stuff. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to listener questions. I asked a question last week, and that question was, do you prefer MDR or buffet? And uh, we got we got just a little bit of feedback. But before we get into the answers we got from our from our listeners out there, uh, what what are your guys' opinions on that? MDR or buffet? Depends what they're serving. Oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm calling shenanigans on that. Yeah, I, I think that. Uh... MDR is nice and consistent, right? You're going to get really good food. It's going to be in that nice sit-down atmosphere, atmosphere, and you can kind of relax and, and kick back a little bit and be served. Where buffet is, you know, I look at it as how much time do we have. If we've got to hurry up and get, some, get to something, then it's probably going to be buffet. However, if we don't have a structured schedule for that evening, then yeah, we're probably going to go MDR. So. so what he's saying, let me translate that. He's saying he prefers the MDR, but if he doesn't have time for the MDR, he's going buffet. That's, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so both. <laughs> okay. Well, my answer is exactly the same as Mark's. No surprise there. Kelly, are you in the same ship? I won't say boat. Yeah. And I think the only thing is that with buffet, there's not so much of a rotation of food as well. So you get kind of tired of it as well. So that's what I do like about the MDR is that you do get a variety every night. Yeah. And I think that's really ship dependent too, Matt. Have have you noticed that like some ships, they seem to have uh, kind of a rotating food on the buffet, right? So one night might be like Indian food specific, or one might be more of like a Mexican food specific thing, but some ships, they never change it. Like it's the same stuff for every meal each day. And that's where it can get kind of boring, you know? Yeah. I know. I know like most of my sailing has been on carnival. I know they usually have a lot of the stuff that's in the MDR, in the buffet and at dinner time, but uh, I don't know. It just doesn't taste as good if you're eating it out of the buffet. <laughs> it seems like, and 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 I know Royal Caribbean does seem to have a lot of Indian food. That is my favorite genre of food. I don't know if it's a genre, but it's my favorite kind of food. <laughs> and so I always look forward to that. You can get that in the MDR on Carnival, but I rarely now that they took the um, that specialty part off of some of their ships, it's hard to find Indian food in the buffet. So for me, it's MDR all the way. Now, uh, our user, our, now our listeners out there that commented, we've got Jonathan from the Photog Experience, which is another great YouTube channel. Uh, he's really into photography if you want to get in on some of that. But he said he would definitely say the MDR. He thinks the variety and quality is just better than the buffet. So there you go, kind of parroting what we just said. And then we also got some input from Steve. And Steve said, I always prefer the MDR over the Lido buffet. Do not like waiting in lines. The MDR experience is much better and makes for a more enjoyable dining experience. I use the Lido for quick eats or just need a snack. So yeah. it sounds like yeah. everybody 
and by everybody, I mean those two people, agree with us 100%. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the other people here, too. Well, yeah, yeah. So so all five of us are in agreement on that. Then everyone must agree with us. That's right. That has to be the Did rule. you say muster agree with us? Muster, muster agree with us? Muster agree, muster agree, with, muster us. agree with us. So this week I wanted to ask a new question, and the question is going to be, do you have a favorite class of ship on any of the cruise lines? And if so, what is it? And why is it your favorite class of ship? That's the question I'm looking for. Of course, I'm also looking for any questions, comments, stories that you have that we can share on the podcast. Again, the way to do that is fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Please don't post those on the Facebook group because we want it to be a surprise. Now, I did get a few regular questions for this particular podcast. We're going to start with Amanda. Amanda's asking, when is your next cruise? Or if you don't have one booked, where do you want to cruise to next and on what ship? Well, we already know the answer from the traveling duo. Oh, we don't know where you're going. Where are you guys going? Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take (laughs) it. Well, we're specifically going to Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, and then I think we have a stop in Labadee, Haiti at Royal Caribbean's port there. So that's the four ports that we're hitting. And the really cool thing about this cruise, so it's not it's a nine night. It's our longest that we've done. I'm really looking forward to it. But we have a day at sea, um, then we're in Labadee, and then we have two days at sea, and then we have, I, I think it goes in order of Aruba, bon, or, or is it Cur- Curacao, Bonaire, then Aruba, I think is the order it goes in, and then two days at sea on the way back. So I'm really looking forward to that because one day at sea, sometimes you're like, I don't, you, you know, you just don't really get unwind and, and relaxed. Especially the last one. Like I, yeah. I've i done a cruise where it's two sea days at the end. That's the way to do it because otherwise if it's just one, then you're just thinking about the fact that they're going to kick you off the ship tomorrow. But if you have two, you can really enjoy that first sea day. And then the next sea day is kind of like a normal, they're going to kick me off the ship tomorrow. But man, I haven't been to Bonaire yet, but Aruba and Curacao, those are my favorites. That is why I say Bonbini. That is Papiamentu, which is a language that they speak on those ABC islands. I am super, super jelly. I got nothing. I got no cruises booked. I am going to fix that as soon as I can. Uh, when I do, it's probably going to be a short one. It's probably going to be a, an inexpensive one. Most likely, it's going to be hitting like Cozumel, maybe Grand Cayman, maybe Honduras, depending on where it is. Maybe I'm going to get on a Royal Caribbean and go to Coco Cay and see that since it's been refurbished. Oh, I want to go there really bad, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping maybe this spring. Um, now, if, if you're talking like where would I like to go and on what ship would I like to be on, I want to go to the ABC Islands, and I don't care what ship it's on. I just want to go on a ship I haven't been on before just so I can experience a different ship. We can put you in a suitcase if you like. I would like that very much. <laughs> Matt, have you done an Oasis-class ship? I have not. I've not been on the Oasis-class. Um, the Royal Caribbean's pretty, all the ships I've been on are pretty small and older. So um, I have not done that yet. Yeah, that's, I think, after this cruise, the next time we book a cruise, I think we're looking at uh, one of the Oasis class specifically. I think we'd really like to be on the Symphony. Looks pretty yeah. pretty awesome. It's a new. Yeah, new... I, I, my thing I always say is that I can't speak to it until I've done it. I need to try it before I say how I feel about it. I'm pretty sure my heart is going to be with the smaller ships, medium ships probably being the ideal, just because what I find myself doing on any ship after like 
the first day is just the same thing, which is sitting and watching the water, drawing, that kind of thing. And I could do that on any ship, um, but I don't know that. Maybe I'll go on an Oasis ship and be like, this changed my life. I can never small. I can never small. I can never sail in a ship smaller than this again. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I got to get on one of those sooner or later. Yeah, I think what intrigues us about the Oasis class is just the amount of activities going on. And from the videos we've watched, it seemed they seem to spread everybody out really well. Yeah, I've heard that they're not too crowded. Yeah, Yeah. that does seem to be the case. Uh, I don't know what what I've noticed on the bigger ships I've been on is I feel like I lose a little bit of that intimacy with the water, Um, but you know. That's all very relative. There's so many jokes there. It just like went through my head about Matt being intimate with water. I'll leave that up to everybody's imagination. Go crazy. Leave leave comments about what you think Matt is imagining as he made that statement of being intimate with the water. I was having a wet dream. All right, let's get on to the next question here before I get myself into trouble. This one is, Are you in too deep? I am in too deep. <laughs> oh, no. Look at them beating me at the, the pun game. All right, this is from Jennifer. Jennifer says she is going to be a first-time snorkeler. She'll be going to one of Mark and I's favorite snorkeling spots, which is Roatan Honduras on the Norwegian Breakaway in October. She wants to know if we have any suggestions for a first-time snorkeler. And this is going to be an excursion that's combined with seeing monkeys and sloths. So, yeah. Yeah, there's an easy answer for that one. And I know (laughs) we're both thinking the same exact thing. So probably, and, and Kelly, you can jump in here too. This is probably our favorite excursion we've ever done is in Roatan, um, and it, 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 you're going to get your monkeys. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they had no sloths, sloths there yeah, no no, sloths. at that point in time anyways, no, right? But as a first-time snorkeler, you want to get hooked on being in the water as a snorkeler, this is by far the best place to go. And we are talking about... Maya Key. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we are talking. Yes, yeah, see, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about Maya Key. What an awesome, awesome place, um, Kelly. What do you think of it? Because you did Matt and I in the water the whole time. Like I don't know that we came out for very long, except Just to, to eat. leave, right? to eat. Eat, eat and leave. Yeah. Um, at the end. Hey, wait a minute! I did some snorkeling too. You you did you did you did some but but what I'm saying is you can talk more about the things that were going on on land at the beach there. Okay, there's a lot there to see. It's pretty cool. There there's monkeys there. There was a was it a caiman or was it an alligator? Crocodile, that we crocodile, an that, crocodile we, yeah. that we held. There they have ocelots. It, it's a really cool place. I loved it again. Like Mark was saying, it was probably one of our favorite excursions that we have done. Yeah, so it's. It's a rescue place, right? So they have a lot of rescue animals there from from uh, the mainland Honduras that uh, that they that they bring in. So you get to interact with them, different animals. You get to you know see them there. But this the snorkeling, I think, is just what blows me away with the reef. It's it's pretty amazing. Now Jennifer, I, I think she's already booked for some place, so it's probably not Maya Key. Now there, you may find a similar experience. Um, at this place that you're going. The nice thing about Maya Key with snorkeling is that it really walks you in like shallow and then it, you go out. It's very, it's a very controlled environment. It's not usually too choppy. But uh, no matter where you go, this is what I'm going to say for a first-time snorkeler. I think that my best advice is to don't 
make your first time ever snorkeling in the ocean. You need to practice. I know that you may feel silly, but throw that mask on and snorkel on, some fins on, jump in the swimming pool, just float around with a snorkel for 20, 30 minutes, um, looking at the boring bottom of the pool, see what it's like, little, little water in your snorkel, clear it out, that sort of thing. Just get comfortable. And then once you, it's, it's kind of like riding a bike. Like the first time it's shaky, you're nervous. You don't know, are you going to fall? Are you going to hit something? How do I break? Am I going to break too hard? But once you get your, your groove going, then you're going to, everything's going to be easier. So once you kind of get your, your sea legs, so to speak, then once, when you're in the ocean, even if it's a little choppy or if it's a little deep or you see something that kind of freaks you out, which you shouldn't, everything's going to be cool. Um, you're going to just handle it better and smoother. Uh, make sure that you know how to try on gear, how to put it on. If you're curious about that, I still have the Cruise Geeks YouTube channel up and you can go over there and I've got the fantastic guide to snorkeling, which goes over different types of snorkeling gear. And I go into a lot of detail about how to try on a mask and fins and snorkels and the different kinds and what they mean and what are the advantages and disadvantages. I'm going to try and continue that series at some point with fantastic cruising and more like strategies and tips and techniques. But, uh, but just do a little bit of research there. But really, the best advice I can give you is to just get a little practice in so that you feel comfortable. And then that's going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, and always make sure your mask fix, fits your face. Yeah, if you get a mask that's the wrong size, it's going to leak. So yeah. you don't want hair in there. That's always a problem I have, you know, my hair. So. <laughs> If you, those of you who don't know me, I'm bald. But anyway, uh, yeah, make sure that you know how to try that mask on, how to get it on comfortably, and also how to defog it properly. And if you're buying your own gear, there's some extra steps you need to take because if you buy a mask out of the dive shop, out of the Amazon, wherever, and you take it and you try and use defog, it's not going to work. You've got to get this coating off that comes with the mask. So uh, do your research. That's not true with the full face mask. So do your research, watch those videos. And if you have any other questions, let me know over on the Fantastic Cruising community. I love talking about snorkeling and I could talk about it for hours. So I am more than happy to, to help you out with that. All right, we've got one more email question here. This is from Deb and Deb is from Minnesota. Can I say Minnesota like that? That's All right, anyway, she is, uh, here's her question. She's gonna be sailing on the Independence of the Seas next May. So that's a Royal Caribbean ship, right? Independence of the Seas. It is, yeah. Anytime it's of the seas, that's a Royal Caribbean ship. And they have a day stop at the newly revamped Coco Cay, Coco Key, Coco Cay, Coco Key. Nice. And, um, and they want to know where they can camp out for the day if they don't really want to do the water park. They're just looking for a spot to rest, enjoy the beach, want some shade, want a water view. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think we can answer that because we have been to Coco Cay together. We've been, I've been to Coco Cay uh, beyond that. And um, I am excited about Coco Cay. I don't really care about the water park personally. Yeah. I just am hoping that it keeps more people out of the snorkeling area. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah you, you want to talk about that? Because I know there's a, there is a spot in Coco Cay and I don't know how much they've changed it. But there is a spot that it sounds like it'd be perfect for you guys. Yeah, and I think it's fairly segregated from from what I have seen. Haven't been there since they finished the perfect day portion, um, but it does look like from their their aerial views and things like that that uh, it's, it's separated. You're not going to have to sit right in the middle of the the water park. I think to to get that beach time in, which is great. I will say, 
Matt, they have the, what is, is it, the the tallest uh, water slide in the northern hemisphere? I think that's what they're claiming. I think that's what they're claiming. Yeah. So we have to at least ride that. Oh, I, I would, yeah. I mean, it's it's extra, but I would probably check it out at least once. Yeah, we got to, right? Yeah. But there there is there is a spot, though. Like, so when you go to Coco Cay, and I don't know how much this map has changed but it used to be when you got off of the the little tenders water shuttles whatever they're calling them these days Mm -hmm. um you would just kind of go to the left and there was the immediate spot was where the snorkeling was at and you could if you got off early enough you could probably get a little bit of shade and definitely great snorkeling there probably my favorite snorkeling spot for like the different private islands that i've been to but if you went around the back of the island and you would walk past what used to be their floating water park uh, they had a really nice, it's the beach is kind of grass flat area. So it's shallow, but there was not anybody over there. So you could find a little bit of shade. You could find a lot of, of uh, just space where it wasn't crowded. Now, I think they've built some stuff up back there. I think they put some cabanas and things back there. But my guess is that there's still going to be just some nice serene type of atmosphere over there. So I would say get off of the ship and you won't have to tender anymore because now they've got a dock that you can just pull up, which will save you some time and some hassle and headache and just walk around the perimeter on the beach and just keep going until you get to a spot that you like. And you're probably going to find it because I think, I think that water park is like you said, I think it's separated. I think it's like in the center. And I think that my guess is that the majority of people are going to be flocking to that water park, yeah. which is going to mean more beach space for people that just want to relax at the beach. So check that out and let us know what your experience is like. And, unless it's full of people that like to reserve their uh, their chairs, right? <laughs> they're, and they're going to throw towels on there and then go to the water park. <laughs> and then and then you're going to get really Get there angry. early. Yeah. Get there early. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're uh, if they're going to be policing that very well. And and honestly, though, where it used to be, there weren't a lot of chairs. So yeah. that that may be something you want to bring a towel if you're comfortable with that. But uh, Coco Key is is a really beautiful place. Um, and there's there's a lot to see if you do want to get into the snorkeling action. They've got like a plane that they sunk in there. They've got a concrete replica, sort of replica. It's supposed to be the Queen Anne's Revenge Blackbeard ship. It's really just concrete with cannons on it don't touch anything there's a lot of fire coral but there's also a lot of really cool marine life there i've seen a lot of neat stuff you've got sort of a sort of a rubbly coral habitat and then a lot of grass flat there's a lot of rocks to the left so lots and lots of cool marine life to check out there and iguanas all over the island too all right well that is going to wrap it up for the second official episode of fantastic cruising thank you guys for listening thank you everybody who has gone over to the Facebook group and joined the Fantastic Cruising community on Facebook. If you do want another way to support this podcast, there is a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Fantastic Cruising or just go over to Patreon and search for Fantastic Cruising. It's a just just a good way to support me and uh, and and help me financially. If you don't have the funds or you don't want to, that's cool. I want to let you know about that. Also, please make sure to go over and check out the Traveling Duo, their adventure group on Facebook, as well as their YouTube channel. Look for some content from this day, as well as lots of cool stuff coming up. Looking forward to their vlogs on their Royal Caribbean Explore the Seas adventure. And, uh, and also just a quick shout out again to Tom and David for helping me with the theme tune, uh, props to them for that. And with that said, 
I'm going to wrap it up. You guys want to say goodbye? Well, I think we'll, we'll end this the same way we end uh, most of our videos. So until next time. We'll see you around the world. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Bye.